I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. You can follow along. There are Bibles by either door. If you need a Bible, if you didn't bring one with you today, feel free to grab one and, and take it as our gift to you. I'm going to read it in John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, and it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness is not to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here, and he is calling for you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it, and Jesus said, Take away the stone. 
Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. But Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you will always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come at all to the feast? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. John chapter 11. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful picture of Christ in his divinity in this chapter. A picture of Christ not only in his divinity, but also in his humanity. Fully God and fully man. Full of power and authority. Uh, the Son of God sent from above, fully divine, yet experiencing everything that we experience. He experiences pain. He experienced uh, sadness and grief and sorrow. And he weeped for us the giver of life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone that lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? Riverside, do you believe this? Even with the power over death and being the very essence of life itself, Jesus wept. He felt compassion he felt real loss. This is the same Christ that walked on the water, the same Christ that offered living water to the Samaritan woman at the well. This is the Christ who said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. This is the Christ who gave his life for us. Now John in this chapter gives us a glimpse into the humanity of this same Jesus. John writes of a special love that Jesus had for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the same Mary that anointed Jesus' feet with oil. Here in the midst of this crowning miracle, 
He displayed and confirmed his deity. John portrays him as a friend. John lifts up friendship throughout the text. One of the most basic human relationships. Here, Jesus speaks to his disciples of Lazarus, our friend. Jesus says, Lazarus, our friend, has fallen asleep. While everything that Jesus does in this chapter points us to the Father, there is a story of love for his friends that makes the resurrection real for us. Jesus is a friend to every believer. And this morning, I want to talk about that covenant friendship that God has for us. The world defines friendship in a different way. Oftentimes it comes down to, is it convenient for me? Or what's in it for me? Or if it doesn't cost too much, or if it doesn't take too much time, if it doesn't create, cost too much energy, if it doesn't cost too much money, then maybe I'll be your friend. Most of the time our friendships are short-lived to the point where there's no permanent commitment in any of it. In fact, we, if we get angry enough, we get upset enough, if someone doesn't post something that we don't like, we just unfriend them. Friendship is not easy. So many of us never allow ourselves to even get close to people, let alone close to Christ. Yes, there's some of us that have had lifelong friendships that they can truly look at and say, these people were with me in the midst of the storm. But many of us have not had that experience. We've been wounded. We've been hurt. We've been taken advantage of. So friendship is hard for us. We've been kicked around trying to be a friend. So being a friend for Christ or allowing Christ to be a friend to us or even reaching out to somebody else in friendship becomes a real challenge. I myself was a child of a military man, so therefore I meant, I meant moving around every couple of years, going to three or four different middle schools and three different elementary schools and never being stable. So for me, friendship was just an acquaintance, a temporary thing that didn't last very long, and I didn't have to commit anything. I had to learn how to be a friend. A friend who loves unconditionally. A friend that was there, a friend that trusted. I had to learn how to be a friend to my wife. I didn't come into that relationship knowing how to be a friend to her. And God is still teaching me. Here in chapter 11, John shows us that Jesus wants to have a covenant friendship with us. The sisters sent word to Jesus. They said, uh, the one you love, uh, there was one uh, that you love, Jesus, and guess what? He's ill. They didn't ask him for anything. They didn't demand anything, but they knew that Jesus could heal him. But what did Jesus say? This illness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified. The scripture also tells us that, that he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But when he heard that Lazarus was ill, what did he do? He 
He stayed for two more days. This does not sound like the love of a friend or how a friend should respond. You say you love us, Jesus, but yet you didn't come when we needed you. We, we needed you then, and, and you waited two days before you showed up. What kind of friend is that? It is a friend that puts God's will ahead of man's needs. It is a friend that places the desire to glorify his father above the desire to come to the aid of someone that he loves so deeply. It is a friend that knows what's best for you and what benefits you and what strengthens you and what builds up your faith. Surely all sickness is not unto death. The trials and tribulations of believers are allowed by God for us to be a witness to the world of the power of Jesus Christ in our life. To allow Jesus to restore us, to transform us, to give us life. Saints, because we are in Christ, it does not mean that we are immune to the effects of sin in this world. Evil prevails and sickness prevails, but it, it doesn't make us immune to it. That's why God tells us in his word in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not shaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in us. You see, Jesus' intent for us, his friend, is always to allow the will of the Father that he would always do the best for us. We don't have to understand why, but just believe his word, that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So when we find ourselves wondering where Jesus is, how come he's taking so long? How come he doesn't answer my call? How come he's not here yet? How, why do I have to endure this pain? Remember that Jesus is your friend, a friend that will never leave you nor forsake you, a friend that's always with you, a friend that's never late, but always on time. And when you wait on the Lord, when you wait for him, wait with hope, expecting the bigger blessing. Here in verse 7, as we look at the conversation with the disciples, Jesus says, let us go to Judea again. The disciples' response was, you want to go there again? They just tried to stone us. You see, fear of suffering has a way of keeping us from God's mission. But here, Jesus doesn't reprimand them or rebuke them or uh, sort of just look disparaging upon them. What he does, he exhibits a great deal of patience with them. Instead of beating them down for being fearful, he explains that as long as they're walking in the light, as long as they're walking in the day, then they won't stumble. But if they walk in the night and they walk in the darkness, they will stumble. You see, Jesus was talking about himself. He is the light of the world. And when you're walking with Jesus, you don't have to fear anything. Psalms 27 and 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Fear should not be part of our vocabulary. 
God said, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. When Jesus explains to them further that our friend, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I need you to go and awaken, I need to go and awaken him. They question him one more time. He'll awake on his own, Jesus. Why do you need to go there? So Jesus had to make it plain for him. Lazarus is dead. I'm surprised they didn't say, well, if he's dead, why do we need to go? These are the same disciples that saw Jesus walking on the water. They saw him heal the paralytic man at the well. They know that he healed the official son from a distance. And he made the blind man to see. The same disciples that saw him calm the raging seas, yet they still lacked faith. But guess what? Jesus loved them anyway. Jesus knew that their faith needed to be strengthened. He didn't rebuke them or kick them to the side because of their lack of understanding and their fear. He simply said, Lazarus is dead. But for your sake... You see, Jesus is always thinking about the other person. For your sake. Yes, I know my friend Lazarus is dead, but for your sake, I'm glad I did not go there so that you would believe. You would think after all they saw that they would still believe, but God knew they needed to be encouraged in their faith. They still needed to see something else happen to draw them closer to Jesus. Finally, Jesus arrives in Judea. Lazarus has been dead in the tomb for four days. And Martha comes to him. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, it's hard to know whether Martha was rebuking Jesus because if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Or was it in worship? God, I know if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. We just don't know from the text, but I do know this. From Jesus' perspective, it had to be hard to see his friend, Martha, in such sorrow and pain, knowing that he could have prevented it. You see, sometimes when we're doing the will of the Father, our friends may not understand it. Sometimes when you're stepping out for God, people will question your motives. People will challenge you. But Jesus tried to comfort Martha. He said, your brother will rise again. Martha's response was, yes, I know he'll rise again in the last day. I'm sure Martha was thinking, that's great. Ten years from now, 20 years from now, I might see my brother, but I'm hurting right now, Jesus. So Jesus had to make it plain for her. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And everyone that lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? Riverside, do you believe this? Martha said, yes, Lord. You are the Son of God. But even in her response, it's not clear that she truly understood that Jesus was the giver of all life. 
Mary's, Martha's sister, responded in the same way. Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus, my brother, would not have died. She even kneeled down at Jesus' feet publicly, acknowledging him as the master and weeping. But her sorrow was keeping her from seeing the presence of the glory right there with her. Sometimes in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our, our hurt and our wounds, we forget to look at Christ. Our heads are bowed so low that we can't see them in our presence. Here is Mary weeping publicly and the resurrection standing there right there with her. Jesus didn't say, Mary, uh, you anointed my feet with oil and, and you saw my miracles, yet you questioned my ways. No, he didn't, he didn't go there with Mary. You see, he knew. He saw her pain. He saw her grief. He saw the, the hurt in her. The Jews were mourning around her. And Jesus, Jesus was deeply moved. In his spirit, and he was troubled, moved by the profound sorrow all around and trouble that came from the evil related to death. The word of God says, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep that those, with those that weep. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept for his friend Lazarus and Lazarus' sister, just like he weeps for you and I, not wanting us to go through suffering, but knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. That's why he tells us in Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. We have a friend in Jesus, and when we suffer, he suffers. In the midst of the storm, he's there for you. In the midst of the pain, he's all around you, waiting to hear from you, wanting to hear from you, wanting you to come to him in prayer, crying out, Lord, help me. Now Jesus stands before the tomb, the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and he says, roll away the stone. And again, immediately he faces objection. Martha, the same sister that just said, yes, you're the son of God, says, uh, but there's going to be a terrible odor, Lord. I know you healed people, and I know that you turned water into wine, but I, I don't really know if I can trust you with full restoration of my brother. I don't really know if you can really bring back the dead, a, a decayed body that's in the tomb was beyond her comprehension. She didn't know that Jesus was not only a life giver, but he was a full restorer of everything. And when we come to Jesus, he doesn't just give us partly of what we want, what lost. He gives it all back to us. Body, soul, our lives. Even though her belief was not with full understanding, Jesus still kept his promise to her. Even though Martha still had some doubt and some uncertainty about what Jesus was really capable of, Jesus did not withhold his blessing from her. Even in the imperfect understanding of who Jesus really is, he continues to grant us his friendship as his believers. Even though we don't really grasp all that Jesus is to us. And rather than give up on us, 
He continues to reveal himself to us more and more every day as we grow in his grace and his mercy. Now, to ensure that those present know that it was the Father that sent him. Now, to ensure that people would understand that he is truly the Son of God and that truly he has power over death, he looks to his Father. He looks to his Father. Not for his benefit, but for their benefit, that they might believe. And he cries out, Lazarus, come out. He wanted the world to know the world seen and unseen, that it was the voice of Jesus that had, command, that had a commandment over death. Lazarus came out. Yes, he had died, but now he was yet alive. Yes, his body was decayed, but now he lives again by the power of the resurrection, fully restored without the marks of the death that he experienced without illness. But there was one last thing, you see. There was one last thing. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes. Take off those things that had you bound when you were in death. Take off the shroud that keeps you from leaping in joy. You no longer have to live as though you're walking in the grave in the tomb, but loosen up the bands on your feet so that you can give me glory. This morning, church, I would suggest to you that when we're saved, when we're born again, truly we are marked for eternity. But guess what? We have to strip off our grave clothes. We can't walk in the person that we were before. We're now new creatures in Christ Jesus. The things that had us bound in the past, we have to loose. And if we can't do it by ourselves, we have a friend in Jesus that can loose those bounds on us. Jesus told the people around him, Lazarus, his friends, and his family, probably those that had prayed for him, mourned for him, unbind him and let him go. And as a result of this crowning miracle, many believed. Jesus knew that this would be the sign, the sign that would bring him closer to the cross, the sign that would ultimately lead to his death. But he did it anyway. Why? Because he always operates in the will of the Father. Why? Because he loves us and he wants to die for us. Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself for us. Yes, this final sign caused the Pharisees and the chief priests to be afraid that everyone would come and accept Christ. That the Romans would come and take away their possessions. So the council got together. They met and they said, you know what? Um, it's better. It's better that one man should die rather than a whole nation should perish. But that high priest didn't understand what he was really saying. God used him to prophesy what was to come. And little did the priest know that this was Jesus' mission, that not only would he die for a nation, but he would die for all of God's children scattered around the world. So what does this mean for us? This covenant of friendship that John has portrayed for us. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, fully God. But he is also fully man, capable of feeling what we feel, crying when we cry, suffering when we suffer. And for those that believe, he is the best friend we could ever have. He always operates in the will of the Father for our good. 
He's always patient with us. He's always watching over us and protecting us. He always comforts us when our heart aches. He sacrificed his life on the cross for us so that we could spend eternity with him. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no, man, no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friend. And Jesus did that for us. Jesus wants to be your friend. Jesus wants us to be a friend to others. No more hiding. No more trying to keep people at a distance. No more, I'm not going to do it because it might cost too much. He's ready for us to make a sacrifice. Jesus already made it. He paid the price already. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege is carry everything to God in prayer. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the light. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? The word of God to the people of God. Amen.